Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everybody online. It is good to have you with us and joining us as we begin our Pioneer series and look into the book of Acts. I'm excited about this. Um, I kind of picked out this slide with a ship sailing into um, the unknown. And uh, if you really look at it closely, this ship is actually, this sailboat is actually in space, which makes it even weirder. And uh, I thought it was apropos of the time we live in, right? Like, it's weird, but we're moving forward and we're being called to be pioneers. And so we're gonna be studying the book of Acts and we're gonna be looking at this awesome book. How many of you at home, you can answer this question too. How many of you have read the book of Acts? You've read the book of Acts? How many of you have read the book of Acts in the past two years? All right. So you guys are extra fresh. If I call on you, you'll be able to give me feedback. If you're at home, you can send it in on Facebook and communicate with us. You guys are my, um, my, my test audience to see if we can bring Acts to you and, and bring more energy to a book that's already exciting. What I love about Acts and what I love about the idea of pioneering something is that you're headed into something new, something different. Sometimes whether you like it or not, right? And, and, and we're in a time period where we're going through new things. And that's what the book of Acts is. In fact, many scholars would tell you it's kind of a, a three-part new, if you will. There's a new stage where the Old Testament kind of was focusing on the road to Jerusalem. The New Testament, the book of Acts, we're kind of seeing a road to Rome. The gospel's headed towards Rome. So we get to see that new endeavor by God. God was doing a new thing. He was setting a new course. The building of Christ's church is in Acts, and we get to witness it growing day by day and in numbers. And then a new people, the body of Christ. We get to see the body of Christ growing in the book of Acts and doing things and studying things. In fact, many of you know Acts chapter 2 and are aware of some of the new things that the church was being called to. But not only that, Acts has some aspects to it that are really exciting as well. It's kind of a, a the only book, if you will, that does some things for us that other books just don't do in the New Testament that we can be just pumped about. Here, here's a couple I listed them. It's a record. It's the only book where we get a record of the transition from Judaism to Christianity. We get a record of it. It's a canvas, a background of Paul's New Testament epistles. In fact, you may not know much or understand much about the epistles. Now, what are the epistles? Um, college students, young people, here, here's a real easy way. Usually the Eans, okay? Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, Thessalonians. Those are, those are Paul's writings in his letters to the churches. Acts gives you a canvas, like a background to all those where you can understand them better. Then there's, it's a library of growth and practices of the early church. It's a tour of the captivating accounts of the apostles' epic faith. You get to see the stoning of Stephen, do you remember what he said before they started to throw the stones? It's a powerful story. You get to watch Paul on the road to Damascus and his name change and how God used him. You hear Peter's first sermon from scared to powerful. It's a tour of epic faith. But, but make no mistake, it's the only book that serves as kind of a sequel to the history that was started and set forth in the Gospels. You actually get a continuation of the four Gospels in the book of Acts. And that's why it's such an exciting book for us to endeavor upon because of not only the way it was written. And, and do, you, do you know who wrote the book of Acts? It wasn't a guy named Acts, okay? It wasn't Paul. He's a main character. And it's certainly Peter was a main character. But it was Luke. And, and Luke had another profession. Do you know what it was? Do you remember what it was? 
Yeah, he was a doctor. And so, so Luke not only had this awesome way of looking at life, but if you've ever read the Gospel of Luke, in fact, you probably do every Christmas, okay? Because Luke's account of the Christmas story is like epic. I mean, even Charlie Brown reads it, right? And, 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 and you hear Luke, he just has a way of writing that is so beautiful and so enjoyable. What an incredible storyteller he was. And, and so we get to leverage Luke and his writing in Acts. So, Today, as we launch out into our series, one of the things I wanted to do was actually take a step back before moving forward. For as Acts being a sequel to the Gospels in so many ways, let's go back into Luke and look at some of the groundwork that Jesus was laying by calling his disciples and, and, and really challenging them for what lied ahead for them. Difficulty, struggle, change, Hard times, stressful times, times when they be imprisoned, times when they have to step up and say what needed to be said, sometimes when they had to run for their lives. And, and Jesus was preparing them. And Luke records a specific account in his text that I really wanted to lock into. It's Luke chapter nine, verses 57 through 62. That's gonna serve as our launching pad into our Pioneer series. And it encompasses an incredible story or account of Jesus being encountered by three different individuals. And they all ask something of him or he asks something of them and the responses vary. And I would argue Jesus is testing to see whether they want to pioneer or whether they just want to go somewhere else. And are they gonna follow him or are they gonna follow him on his terms? I believe we're entering a time, and I speak this into the universal church, where you're really gonna find out who are Christ's followers and who was just along for the ride. For we're coming across the time now where it's very apparent that the things of scripture, the things we often teach, and the things we live by are under attack. And you're gonna to have to ask yourself, Am I willing to sacrifice what I need to sacrifice to advance the gospel? Or was I kind of in it for other reasons? And I pray you'll walk out of here or you'll finish this series with a faith strengthened evermore, desiring to be a pioneer for our Lord. So that's gonna be our text, Luke 9, 57 through 62. I'll have it on the screens for all of you in the watch rooms across our campus, as well as for watching online. And then folks here in the house, you can pick whatever screen you want, okay? Let's have a word of prayer and we'll dive into our text. Heavenly Father, Lord, it is good. It is so good to be gathered here. Lord, it's not necessarily the way we would plan it or even have it, but it's what we're doing right now. And Lord, and, and as, we, as we honor what we're called to honor as we move forward in a, in a, in a time period where we're being asked to, to adapt our methods, we're being asked to sacrifice preference, we're being asked to do things that we might not feel comfortable with. Lord, it's gonna take a pioneering spirit to move forward. And we need to hear that call from you, God, not, not just from some man or from a woman or somebody at work or whatever. We need to hear that call from you that challenge to pioneer into something new, into territory not gone before. And so, Lord, may we be faithful followers. Lord, I pray somebody's listening today that says, I'm tired 
of this fair weather fan faith, I'm ready to step up and follow my Lord into whatever he has for me. I pray it serves as an encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when I was thinking about pioneers, uh, many of you um, immediately think the Old West, and that makes sense, sure. But young people watching too, I want you to understand something. In the digital world, pioneering is a term that is often used for your launching into new things. And so I've noticed in my own life any conferences or any podcasts that I'm paying attention to as I try to, steep, to stay relevant and stay with the game of what's changing all around me, I'm hearing this word pioneering. We're pioneering this. We're pioneering this. And so don't think of it just as an out dated term. This is something that you can be doing in your own life. In fact, start thinking, what is God calling me to pioneer in my own life? I've been waiting for the church to do it, or I've been waiting for that group to do it, or I've been waiting for that person to do it. God, what are you asking me to pioneer in my life? So when you think of a pioneer, I started thinking, what, what's a pioneer? And, and I automatically think of a stagecoach. Um, I, I know a local historian who went and spoke at elementary schools and high schools and, and did various um, assemblies, you know, back when we had assemblies, right? And, um, and, and doing these assemblies, he would talk about the West. And I thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call him. I'm gonna see if I could get some extra information on what it is to pioneer. So I texted him, I said, hey, could you tell me like a story about the pioneers? Or could you tell me like what you know about pioneers, challenges they faced or whatever? And if you could, uh, breakfast Friday, 8.30. Well, I got a text back. It said, um, do you know what pioneers thought was one of the greatest dangers they encountered while going west? Question mark. And then it said, hint, it wasn't the natives and it wasn't the loss of food. And then it said, see you Friday. I told you, it was a storyteller. And so Friday came and I even got a prop. <clears throat> Little stagecoach. And we began to talk about the wagon trains that headed out west. A pioneer, by definition, is someone who goes in to do something that hasn't been done before, okay? Like navigate the end of a pandemic, the beginning of a pandemic, or the, the middle of a pandemic, right? We haven't done this before. We can't call people 50 years and go, hey, what were you doing digitally as a church um, during the end of your pandemic in 1940? We can't do that, okay? Um, we're walking into new territory. And so we were talking about these stagecoaches and how they went out west, and he said they sacrificed everything. They pack up their families, they put them in these stagecoaches, and they would go out this, this long train of, of wagons out west in search for, oh, various reasons, settling a new area, gold or whatever, but they were in hopes of a better future than what they currently had. He goes, but you know what they actually feared? And it's kind of strange. You would think it was the natives and it was at times that um, you might think it was uh, running out of food. And yeah, it was at times that. In fact, some pioneers didn't name their children until they reached a certain age because it would be too hard when they lost them um, to know their name. Uh, very different challenges that we don't currently face that you don't think of heading out west. But what he said was the real thing that they actually thought was dangerous that you wouldn't normally think of was something called prairie grass. And I'm like, prairie grass? Really? Prairie grass? Who cares about prairie grass? No, 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 you don't understand. Prairie grass out west, they had encountered it being out east. And as they went out west, they saw this prairie grass that would grow from six to seven feet tall, taller than the, the men of 
the stagecoach train. It's interesting. He goes, and, and something you don't realize about prairie grass, when you get out west, see, we're in a modernized culture. If you got out west, the prairie grass was loud and the wind was always blowing. And so if you got around the prairie grass, you just, sound effects are free. And it, it, the prairie grass, he told me, was so thick that if you were to walk through it, it wasn't be like your little fall fests with your um, corn trails. You wouldn't even leave a trail. And so you couldn't even trace yourself back. So there was a danger about being lost even in the prairie grass. He said, but that wasn't the biggest thing they feared about it. Okay. He goes, actually, prairie grass, if they camped their wagons in a circle, there could be lightning strikes out on the plains and they could catch on fire and burn up the whole stagecoach area. I'm like, wow, I never thought of that. Yeah, I guess. But that wasn't the biggest thing they were afraid of. What was it? He goes, there's actually a story I heard that when I told it to the children in the elementary schools, it scared them so much that I stopped telling it. It's that. And then he began to eat his eggs. What's your problem? He's watching online today. What is it? He goes, it was parents. He said, many people think when these these wagons went out west that they all stayed inside like they were traveling 65 miles an hour drinking their Wawa cups, you know? He goes, these things took long time to traverse across the plains. And the prairie grass would be on either side and what would happen is the children would get out and like to walk along because they got too restless inside the stagecoach. And one of the biggest fears parents had was children doing what? Going into the prairie grass, playing hide and seek. He said, there's an account that I read in an American history book of a, of, a, of a wagon train going out west that had to camp because two stagecoaches lost their children in the prairie grass. Now they know their children are alive, but the winds are blowing. There's no trails. And it's a two-dimensional world during this time period, not the three-dimensional world you all live in where you can send up drones and airplanes and helicopters. In a two-dimensional world, you can only see horizontally, and the prairie grass would prevent them from seeing their children, and the noise of the wind blowing would prevent them from calling out to their children, Elijah! Might as well go with another prophet, Moses! I'm making up names. He said, this is what happened. And, and what terrified the kids is when I told them that after two days, the, the, the stagecoach, the, the train stopped, um, the wagon train leader came up to the fathers and said, look, guys, you don't understand. If we don't keep this train moving, we are all going to die. We have supplies for a certain amount of time. We must move on. Now you have a decision to make. We know your children are probably still alive. But if you stay, you will probably lose your other children as well, as well as your families, in staying and waiting for them. You have a decision to make at dawn the stagecoaches roll out. What would you do? What would you do? Well, I think any parent would say, I'd stay. But then you're looking at your other children who are still alive. You got decisions to make. And you know that your other children are still in the grass. Maybe even calling your name. He said, these were some of the greatest fears. You say, man, that's risky. 
Boy, they, they really stepped out into the unknown. I don't know if that was the smart move. I mean, was it worth all that was sacrificing? And that was the idea behind Pioneer Something. They said it was worth it to take the risks involved to move forward into whatever unknown in the hopes of a better future. I think we can spiritually apply this because I believe God is calling us to pioneer in our own faith. So I want to know what a pioneer spirit looks like. What would you say a pioneer spirit looks like? Well, I'm going to show you what a pioneer spirit kind of doesn't look like next to a pioneer spirit and what it does look like. So, so let me read a couple ideas here. Um, here's my left side. This, this is this. Um, no, I won't do it. Not if I have to do that. You ever hear this spirit? I'm hearing that spirit in this time period that we're living in. No, I'm not doing it. If you gotta do that, I'm not doing it, okay? Um, I'm out. I'm just not ready yet, okay? Um, I'll pass. Uh, there's just a little too much to lose, okay? And there are seasons of life where that is actually wisdom, and I've chosen things like that. What's God calling you to do? Here's a, here's a different kind of spirit. Yes, I will. Whatever it takes. Yes, I will. Whatever it takes, I will. I'm in. I've counted the cost. It's popular in my groups of, of closer friendships and in my inner circles when we send out a group text, hey, I'm going to do this. You in? I'm in. It's always fun to see the I'm in. And the I'm outs are kind of sad. And some people send them in, I think, just to crush the joy of the whole group. But, but um, I, I'm in. I've counted the cost. I'm in. I'll go. There's just too much to gain for me to stay home. And, and these attitudes can filter into our life. Am I going to have a pioneer spirit or not? Uh, that's the idea and the heartbeat behind a story found in Luke where three would-be followers, let's call them, come up to Jesus and they have an interaction about whether they're in or out, whether they will or won't, or whether they'll pass or whether they'll go. I pray it challenges your faith. For if you see yourself in any of these three followers, let that Holy Spirit convict you to say, Lord, it's time for me to step out in faith and follow you. Here's the text. As they were going along the road, Luke writes, someone said to him, now that's Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Young people, I'm gonna engage you for a minute and I'm gonna trust the older generation to stay with me and grandmas will actually get this one, I'm thinking. There is nothing young people like more than gaining a follower, okay? In fact, if they can find followers, they'll go get followers. They don't care who they are. They'll want followers, followers, followers. Here's what I mean. This is a typical account, all right, where you can follow somebody, all right? On Instagram, you can accrue followers. On Facebook, you can get followers. And how many followers you have often dictates whether people think that you have a large platform or not. So when I pull up this illustration, young people, college students, you're watching this guy, this guy or girl, they're, they're a savage, I mean, they got 52,000 followers. What? I mean, who is that, right? I mean, wow. And, and you'll know there's something cool too. There's a little pride. If I'm allowed to unveil it, there's a little pride with like Instagram and Facebook. You want to have a lot of followers, but you don't want to be following a lot of people because, you know, everybody follows you. 
you don't follow. Then there's some of you who follow the entire world and have like nobody following you. I love those people too. But, but this, this guy or this girl's got 52,000 followers and they're only following 1,813. Now they've posted a lot so people can be engaged. These posts must be electric to have 52,000 followers. In fact, I'm so curious, I wanna hit follow, right? Jesus, somebody came up to you and said, hey, I wanna hit follow. I wanna follow you. And you would think Jesus would be like, woo, one more follower, 52 point whatever. But instead he says this, watch this. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus, what are you doing? Don't you wanna make following you like everybody should be doing it? Jesus goes, you wanna follow me? You wanna follow me? Hold up a second, hold up a second. See that fox over there? Look how, oh, you see it run into the hole? Yeah, it's got a place of a security. It can rest its head. See, see that? See that bird up there? Yeah, yeah, you see how it's got a family in its nest? Comforts of a family and home up there. You see that? Yeah, yeah. You got a bed at home? Yeah, yeah, Lord, I got a bed at home. All right. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but me, I got nowhere to lay my head. What's Jesus doing here? He's saying, you wanna follow me? You wanna hit follow? First, I want you to understand something. You're gonna have to sacrifice your comforts to follow me. Comforts are the first thing Jesus challenges us. See, Jesus isn't interested in what I would call a bandwagon faith. You ever hear of a bandwagon? Young people, you got some friends that are on the bandwagon of a team? In other words, this is the point. Um, it was actually Phineas Bar uh, Barnum, I believe, who it, it kind of penned the term, okay? Um, let me fact check, yeah, 1855. The greatest showman, right? It's a fan, it's a trend, it's popular. It's a band that had a, it was a wagon that had a band playing inside it and people followed it and got excited about it and became a euphemism. It became a figure of speech of the other words to say, I'm gonna follow it because I love them. They're exciting. I mean, you see it in basketball a couple years ago. Everybody became Golden State fans whether they were in California or not, right? I mean, people follow this. I mean, uh, I mean just followings because people love winners. In fact, you know, you're finding out right now, Eagles fans, whether you're a bandwagon or not, right? Um, you're, you're fine. When things get hard, when things get difficult when things get rough. You find out if you're a true follower or whether you were just along when the things were going well. And what Jesus is kind of pushing back is I'm not interested in, in, in fair weather fans or bandwagoners. You want to follow me. You're going to have to sacrifice your comforts. And that's the first thing of three. It's not okay to say I'll follow as long as it's not too hard. Young people, college students, you looking for something real and authentic? Be a follower for Jesus. But you're gonna have to sacrifice some comforts. Can I ask you, what are some things that you've lost in the past that has challenged your faith? Some comforts you've lost. What are some comforts you're afraid of losing in the future that's challenging your fears? This is where Jesus goes right to at his followers. He says, here's the deal. If you follow me, I need you to sacrifice your comforts. Well, I kind of like my comforts. Well, you're probably not my guy then. I'm looking for pioneers. Well, another was walking by and Jesus reaches out to them. Hey, follow me. 
Jesus is going out and getting his own followers, okay? Follow me. But, but this guy responds, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. That's an interesting phrase, right? Can we have some historical background on that, Jesus? Because that's weird. Like if I came up to you and said, hey, hey, you wanna follow me? We're gonna head up uh, to, the, to the town up ahead here. Okay, yeah, yeah, first let me go bury my dad. I'd be like, what? What's going on here? Well, this was actually a figure of speech during that time period um, where he was saying, basically, I have to first go bury my father. He was referring to the responsibility to care for his father to death, not that his father was currently dying, but not only that, to gain his inheritance once his father died. Let me do a modern equivalent. Jesus says, follow me. And we say, Lord, let me first cash in my 401k and retire and clear my schedule and then I am yours, okay? But I gotta I got do some things first. So Jesus, in only the way he can do it, he returns the comment with his own proverbial figure of speech. Do you remember what he says? Look at this. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. See, if you don't have historical background, you think, this poor guy's gotta go bury his dad. But he's saying, look, Lord, I'll do it, but I gotta finish a few things first. I got plans. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. And you say, that Jesus, you sound callous. But that was a proverbial figure of speech in that time period that basically meant this. Let the world do what the world does. I'm calling you to advance the kingdom of God. I wanna do what the world does. I'm calling you to advance the kingdom of God. You see, following Jesus demands sacrificing your plans. I'll follow you, but first let me get my plans together. Are there any past plans you had? that didn't work out and it's been challenging your faith? Are there any future plans you have and you're afraid they're gonna be taken away and it's challenging your fears? Jesus says, that's a pioneer. I need you to sacrifice your plans. What have you been putting off because of your plans? What have you been afraid to lose because of your comforts? Well, there's one more. Yet another, he comes in and says, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Hey, seems like a reasonable request. Jesus, I'm in, but first I wanna go back, say goodbye to everybody at home. I mean, after all, I'm following you. And Jesus turns and says this, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What? Now, I coached um, Little League Baseball, high school, travel, AAU, and no matter how much you coach or whatever, you're gonna end up at one point, I don't care what your title is, head coach, assistant coach, or whatever, you're gonna end up getting a chance to line the field, okay? Softball players out there, you ever line a field, okay? You get a chance to line a field. And I will tell you, lining a field is not for the faint at heart. It can be quite difficult, and you stand to get terribly made fun of if you don't do a good job. And it can even affect the game um, if you don't do one. And, and I remember a particular time where we would normally lay out the rope to go out to right field, then to left, and we'd follow that rope, and we'd chalk it, if you will, and we'd walk and chalk. Now, you get to the field in high school, you actually had to have paint in it, and you would use spray paint that would be in a can and would paint the grass, okay, once you got to the outfield. 
Well, we were running late. The game needed to start. Chris, could you line the field? And I didn't have time for the rope, so I just jumped in. I got it. Just line it up. First base. And it wasn't until someone said, hey, Chris, were you drinking last night? Till I looked back and went, oh, man. It went, this is the idea. Jesus says, listen, every farmer knows this. When you get on a plow, you put your face forward. You don't look back. You don't think about what happened in the past. You don't tell me when you're gonna come. You go, you get focused and you go and you keep your hands on the plow. That's what a pioneer does. Doesn't wallow in pity over what was past. They move forward into God's future. Jesus is saying, not that you should care about your family. He loves our our family. He's given us our families. He's saying, keep your priorities straight. You're going to have to sacrifice your ways to follow him. He's not looking for, I'll follow you as long as I can do it my way. No, you'll follow me. And I want you to follow me. Whatever way I ask of you. The call of discipleship, of real following Jesus, demands at times we're gonna sacrifice some of our desires. Can I ask you, what freedoms have you lost that have challenged your faith in the past so many months? What freedoms are you afraid of losing in the future that's challenging your fear? Folks, where fear is present in your life, faith is absent. I'll say it again. Where fear is present, faith is absent. If you want to tackle the frustrations of your past and your fears of your future, you are going to have to tackle it with faith. But faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. Any of my athletes watching or here today, you understand this. If your legs are weak, but your upper body's strong, you're gonna target your legs. Some guys call it leg day. They know this is a weak area. Well, in our spiritual lives, we have certain weak spots in our faith. And God oftentimes pulls something from us, our comforts, our plans, or our ways of doing things to help grow that muscle. And instead of us pouting or refusing, I'm not gonna do it if it's not this way or what, he, we freeze the growth process where God's trying to strengthen your faith. So I put these up here. I'm a visual learner, so I put both attitudes up here and I just let them intersect with this text in Luke that he gave us. No, I won't, not if I have to do that. But the call of a pioneer is to sacrifice whatever he asks me to do. See, I believe in a sovereign God, which means he's in control of everything. So that means everything that happens in my life has gone through the filter of God even the trials and difficulties this side of eternity. One day I'll be in the streets of gold rejoicing forever, but while I'm on this sin-cursed earth, while I'm in this tent, I will have difficulties come my way, but nothing that happens to me hasn't gone through that filter of God's in control. And so regardless of how people treat me or what I go through, whether it's a pandemic or whether it's the greatest day of my life, I know that in some way God is in control of this and he wants to use this in my life. No, I won't. Not if I have to do that, God. Sacrifice your comforts, Chris. Whatever it takes, that's what I need from you. 
I'm out. I'm not just ready yet. Whenever I call you, not when you're ready. Sacrifice your plans. Uh, I'll pass. Uh, there's just, just so much to lose. Not how you want to do it. I need however I want you to do it. I'm looking for, yes, I will. Whatever it takes, Jesus, yes, I will. I'm in. I've counted the cost. I'll go. There's just too much to gain for me not to follow you. I zoomed out and I wrote down in my journal, whatever, whenever, however, that's what he's calling me to. People are doing, how are you and Chris? How are things going? I know you're going through, I know you hear a lot of, like I said, listen, I've really been helped by this phrase, whatever, whenever, however. And for some of my dear church family members, that whatever means cancer. For some of my dear church family members, that whatever means a loss of their family members. For some of my church family members, that whatever means a loss of their job. And, and sometimes that whenever means even when you're not ready. Sometimes that whenever, when Jesus calls, means even if you didn't finish your degree yet. Sometimes that whenever is whether you thought you were qualified for what you're being asked to do or not. Ask Moses if Jesus cares if you're ready. Whenever. We're not gonna do this in your strength, we're gonna do it in mine. But I have found whenever I go through seasons of change, Jesus really likes to go into that one. If he wants to do a real soul dive into Chris, he goes after his ways of doing things. Oh yeah, is that the way you do it? Not anymore. <laughs> We've never done it that way. I know. I'll, I'll go with you. Keep the big rocks the big rocks. But however I ask you to move, I need you to pioneer. Who wants to be a pioneer for Jesus? Oh man, what an exciting call. But see, I think a lot of people go, I'll follow on Sunday morning. I mean, we have trouble sitting through 45 minutes. I bet some of us at home are already distracted and about to check out. You have so many hours in your day, so many hours to watch football this afternoon, whatever. We can barely zero in for 45 minutes on the text. So before you say, I'm a pioneer, can you even lock in a little bit longer to hear what Jesus has to say about following? Because I think it's interesting. And I want to use this illustration about followers. Here it is. Um, with this right here. I showed you they have 52,000 followers, but you notice they're only, have, they're only following 1,813. And immediately I started putting a spiritual twist to this. And I said, what if that's Jesus' account? Because it's interesting, in the gospels, Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. And I'll say, Depart from me. I never knew you. What? Yeah, there's a lot of bandwagon fans. And when things get inconvenient, when things get a little tough, when you get made fun of that you were down in a dorm room watching church, 
when you get mocked for holding to your faith when no one at work does? When you have a, a media or TV telling you what you believe is wrong? When you have people in your life saying the Bible's irrelevant? You start finding out. You start finding out a lot about whether you're a follower or not. When your comforts, your plans, and your ways get challenged. That's when faith needs to arise. See, it's not so much that you know Jesus, because there's a lot of people who have Jesus in their head. They can even spout off verses. Did you know it's believed that Hitler had much of one of the gospels memorized? I mean, you can have Jesus in your head, but do you have him in your heart? Has there been a time in your life where you said, whatever, whenever, however, I wanna follow you. You have my life. Christians got a lot of interesting words for that moment. They call it the sinner's prayer or they say you got saved. Here's the deal. It's a moment in your life where you say, no longer my way, no longer my plans, no longer my comforts. Jesus, I don't got the words to say, but here they are. I wanna follow you. Scripture tells me if I confess with my heart and believe, confess with my mouth, excuse me, and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, you can be saved. And that means not only am I a follower of him, but he's a follower of me in that sense. For I'm always following him. Make sure that Jesus knows you by calling on the name of the Lord even today. So hey, in our final minutes, what I wanna do is give you some acts of faith, okay? That's the name of our series. That's where we're going this fall. And I think it's good to go, ah, yeah, I wanna grow my faith. I wanna strengthen my faith. Okay, well, you're about to embark upon a new thing. So here's six ways to muscle up your faith when embarking onto a new thing. And I had a chance, I had a privilege, um, I got asked to share to um, a school staff before they started school um, in the fall and uh, going through a lot of changes in the school, a lot, of, a lot of difficulties, obviously a lot of challenges with COVID-19 and all these things. And they said, Chris, we just give a word of encouragement. And these are six X that I gave them to bless them and encourage them. And I wanna give them to you. If you're going through any new thing or if the Lord is kind of working your heart, I wanna pioneer a new thing. Here's six things that we're gonna leverage a really cool text in Isaiah where Isaiah the prophet was writing to the people of Israel. Now, it's not a one-to-one comparison here for us. Uh, That would be poor hermeneutics. But what it is is six characteristics, six dynamics, six steps, if you will, for how to handle change that was coming for the nation of Israel while stuck in captivity in Babylon that could grow their faith. Okay, I wanna leave them with you here as our walk away. All right, here's the first one. Let's leverage the text. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Whenever you're going through change, there is a temptation to hold on to past methods. Okay, hold on really tight, okay? And there's also a temptation to only think about what you're losing, okay? Whenever you're going through new things, that's a temptation. God knew that about Israel. He said, hey, remember not the former things. Now, the original root here, drop in the seminary for a minute, is not so strong that it's a command to never remember. It's simply this. I don't want you focusing on just the exodus. He's speaking of the redemptive story. 
I have more redemption coming. And it's not just redemption out of Babylonia. There's even further redemption coming. So don't just think about what I did in the past, nor just dwell on what I did of old. So here's the two things that we'll start with in this verse. Embrace new methods. Consider what's gained. Are you going through some change right now? Are there some methods maybe you just need to embrace? You're holding on to the past. There's nothing wrong with old methods, but maybe there's some new methods that need to move on. Ask Blockbuster if they should have maybe followed Amazon. Embrace new methods. Consider what is gained. Oh, we're so tempted to only think about what's lost. So, so God's telling Israel, hey, remember not the former things, nor consider things of old, and then he continues. There's only two verses. One more. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? I, I read that springs forth, and I remember going to Yellowstone National Park. Have any of you ever done that? And the Yellowstone <laughs> shoots up, and they always say, hey, it happens at this time and this time. Don't miss it. I want to miss it. God's saying this, behold, whenever he says behold, Old Testament, New Testament, I want you to listen up to this. I'm doing a new thing. Stop blaming other people. Stop giving other people credit. I'm doing a new thing. No, he's not the author of evil, but God even uses difficult times like we're in to do new and exciting things. So we need to be looking for ways God is in it. It's unbelievable. When people are going through new, new things, they often look for ways God's not gonna be in it. In fact, there's something called now doomsday scrolling, where it's like people are looking for doom and gloom. Let's be looking for ways God is in it and seize the moments when they come for change. God might want to change you through this. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? What's interesting, this is Isaiah. And many scholars believe that this is actually a messianic promise or a messianic foretelling. That that new thing is a redemptive act that is actually the Messiah himself. Don't miss it. I'm doing a new thing, even in a season like the one you've been in in 2020. And then he finishes. I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Sometimes pioneers have to follow God into the struggle. When I think of a wilderness, I think of being lost, scared, perplexed, nervous. God's saying, follow me into that. This may be a season of that, but I'm gonna go with it through you. And then place faith in God to deliver. I believe there's never been a more important time to place our faith in God to deliver. Are you gonna stay? Are you gonna go with us? The wagon train leaves in the morning. I'm so glad when I was lost in that prairie grass, my Savior said, whatever, whenever, however, I love Chris so much I'll give my life for him. That if he believes on me, he won't perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, Jesus, for staying. Thank you for coming. And thank you for saving me when I was lost. I will navigate this new. I will pioneer what you have for me. Whatever, whenever, however, I've counted the cost, I'm in. I pray you want to be a pioneer as well.
And I pray this series, as you join us through the book of Acts, will inspire your faith and take you from someone who may have been acting like a little bit of a bandwagon and making you rock solid in the journey God has for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this series. Thank you for the opportunity to study this book. Thank you that through the work of the Holy Spirit, Luke was inspired to write the book of Acts. Many often called it the Acts of the Apostles. And Lord, may we learn from these epic stories. May we grow from them, be inspired by them. But Lord, may we walk out strengthened in faith. So Lord, wherever they're at today, whether they're here in person with us, whether they're online, whether they're in their home, you may be pioneering them to do something. And they've been fighting it. They've been a little bit fearful. They've been questioning your timing. They're scared of what's ahead. May they hear your voice saying, follow me. And I pray they click follow. Whatever, whenever, however. In Jesus' name we pray this, amen.